Exit for Podcast Mutants, Magic, and Marvels is brought to you by the Cage Club Network. So for all things media, check out cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. And for all things X's for Podcast, check out X's for Podcast on Twitter and YouTube. everybody welcome back to an all-new x's for podcast your premier comic podcast for modern marvels chrono skimming classics and live events i'm nico and you can catch me out on twitter and instagram at nico action that's n-i-c-o-a-c-t-i-o-n hey everybody it's nathan you can find me online at desiree way at twitter mainly but all over the socials and you can find me on there talking about how rogue is the best avenger ever besides monica and jail anyway. <laughs> of course and i'm tk you can find me on twitter instagram hi Tumblr everywhere at X Nate X Gray X. And we are here to cover an amazing amount of comics today. We're going to be taking a look at kind of like the balance of everything Avengers-y from kind of like May 2021 to now. So I want to briefly start this out with a history of our look at Jason Aaron's Avengers. Now, we've covered a lot of this already, and it all started many moons ago in an experts for podcast long forgot way back in uh june of 2022 uh june 17th we took a look at avengers 1 through 6 then on june 24th we took a look at 7 through 12 and marvel legacy that took us through the first year or so of the storytelling like logically speaking but as you can see from the dates released it came out in a bit less than a year 12 issues usually you know constitutes that comic year but they were kind of packing them in pretty fast from there we took a look at the third and fourth volumes avengers volume three war of the vampires issues three through 17 which came out from january to march we took a look at that in july the next week we took a look at war of the realms alongside free comic book day 2019 now those issues took us through july of 2019 slowly making our way with x's for podcast 354 from there we had a few more episodes of classic jason aaron coverage before we switched gears for some Heroes Reborn. We had Challenge of the Ghost Riders in 22 through 25 and Starbrand Reborn in 26 through 30 before rolling over to what are possibly two of the most divisive arcs of this run. <laughs> volume 7, we took a look at Age of Khonshu and for Volume 8, it's at, I'm like, for Volume 7, like we had a choice. Right? <laughs> so, Volume 7 and Volume... We were positive on a lot of things here. And that took us through September in our time. But it took us through roughly April of 2021 real time. For the next set of slides, we get to see our next bit of coverage, which entered some wacky territories as we started taking a look at the Heroes Reborn-verse, which uh, we kicked off with a really comprehensive history of the Marvel crossover. And from there, we took a look at Heroes Reborn, and we took a little bit of time. We reformatted the show. We find ourselves here and now taking a look at a number of books that it's sort of unbelievable the number of creative credits that we're looking at today and i just want to say that the most consistent things about the material we're looking at today is nearly every issue is written by jason aaron and lettered by Corey pettit there's a couple of exceptions one of which 
I don't I don't know how to deal with the Mark Russell issue of Avengers. I can't make room in my brain for it. We'll get to it in a minute, right? But there's a number of brilliant creators that worked on this book as well. For the Heroes Reborn issues, we see the creative teams of James Stokey, Ed McGinnis, Mark Morales, Matthew Wilson, Paco Medina, Pete Panitazis, Steve Cummings, Jim Zub, Eric Arseniega, R.M. Guerra, Julia Brusco, Christopher Allen, Mark Dealing, Paul Grist, Guru EFX, Tim Seeley, Dan Jurgen, Scott Hanna, Chris Sotomayor, Erica D'Urso, Jason Keith, Lucas Pizzari, Carlos Lopez, Travis Lanham, Clayton Cowles, Vita Ayala, Farid Karamini, Aaron Cooter, Roland Boshi, Ed Brisson, Chris O'Halloran. I did it. Okay. And that takes us through all of Heroes Reborn. And I'm going to get to everybody else when the time comes because that's just it's so hard to read so many fucking books. <laughs> the regular who's who. Yeah. At some point, I just sort of like kind of go full on Matrix mode where I just see the code for a second. And I just kind of hope I find the right telephone booth. You know what I mean? <laughs> anyway, I am so excited to be here with you guys. All right, guys, we're in the middle of Heroes Reborn. <laughs> supposedly still it's insane that like we were like okay we got a lot of heroes reborn to do so we're just gonna take a break right now and then we'll get right back to it a couple little minor diversions that we sort of knew were gonna happen so that it might take us a minute to get back but then of course in the meantime we just completely retooled everything and i feel like i am both so much more and so much less forgiving of this arc than i was when we were right in the middle of it and doing this recording Uh, Yeah, I just read the entirety of where we left off to where we're going to end today. And I was like, uh, oh, oh, (laughs) oh, oh, yeah, is very much that vibe. Oh, it is. It's totally that vibe. And I am so excited to be taking a look at, as we have listed on the board, to kick things off, we're going to take a look at Heroes Reborn Continued, because I got a little creative with naming the slides, right? So we're going to be taking a look at Heroes Reborn 4 and 5, Siege Society, Young Squadron, American Knights, Marvel Double Action, and these were released May 26th through June 2nd. Now, guys, one of the things that I'm really excited about with this segment is we have very little time to talk about all of this yay this is is gonna be a speed round in dealing with these books so everybody get your blur caps on i refuse to call him blur he will always be the wizard of me he's a big piss baby i agree all right so let's jump in heroes reborn number 4a ugliest beautiful issue i've ever seen this was the doc spectrum issue doc spectrum is my favorite member of the squadron I loved Rocket, Groot the Gun, Blinded Watcher. I loved making fun of sort of like the hyper-American dream. How did you guys feel? I I thought it was a good issue. It was a good take on Dr. Spectrum as a weird, fucked-up, twisted version of a Green Lantern. So, yeah, it it worked. Yeah, it really worked for me. The art really worked for me. Yes, it was absolutely hideous, but in a way that was so clearly intentional and so gorgeous. And I thought that it spoke to how insane this entire like section of people is and not just Dr. Spectrum, but like Groot and Rocket in this universe. Like it really managed to capture a mood that to me spoke to, I think the best intentions of Heroes Reborn that weren't always captured by everybody else. It just fit really well for me. And this was 
the point at which I was like, eh, see, if it were more of this, I would be, I would consider this a total success. Agreed. Uh, Cancerverse Gun was super sad, <clears throat> but good for Starbrand, you know, you know, good Starbrand. I do love the Doc Spectrum blur reference at the end. Finally, some Mephisto. I think this was like the first actual bit of Mephisto. For the backup story, I love that Wakanda is real because it is. Pacing's a little funny, but I I really do love how often I'm just like, they did not just do that. One thing I would have wished we would have seen more is more of the Starjammers with Root and Rocket because that was such an interesting kind of idea and I love them showing up in this issue. But like, I could have used a whole issue. At this point, my only thing is, I guess, like, this has all been done and now if somebody is like, I want to do, like, you can go back and pull some of this stuff if you really want to. It's a weird alternate universe, but like, now that we're established, grab it. For like a Night Gwen, maybe? Mm. <laughs> Night Gwen from this universe shows up in the most recent Gwenverse mini. And being reminded of that was actually not a good thing for <laughs> Gwenverse. It was not. So, blasting through to Heroes Reborn Siege Society. This had Black Widow, Silver Witch, Sabretooth, Baron Zemo, Soviet Agent Hawkeye, and Fire Ant versus Tom Thumb and Amphibian. Tom Thumb is like so low down on my list. And give me that squadron member. So like you can fuck yourself, but it was a good issue, I guess. It just sort of was pointless how many of the characters were tossed aside from the squadron and this highlighted that. But decent read. Uh would would read again. Got a good beat. You can dance to it. I actually absolutely hated it. I hated the idea you know? of Wanda and uh, Sabretooth siding with these okay, great. people. I really yeah, I agree with that. It really, this is kind of like the opposite of the Doc Spectrum issue, wherein we get to see like what happens when you feel as though you are obligated to put characters in or to make issues, even when the ideas don't make sense, are not super compelling, are not like, nobody seems particularly excited that this book is being written. Just that, of course, you need to have some sort of commentary on like the bad guys as good guys and how that plays against the spy stuff. It just all falls flat. And yeah, I mean, like conceptually, like ideas like Wanda and Sabretooth being in the mix with these people, it's really like, unless we're going to do the whole story of how they got there and why I should buy this, just telling me it happened and then glossing over it in one issue kind of ends up missing all of the really important points. Okay. I completely accept that. To go from that issue then to, I'm still going to say I loved Young Squadron. Maybe I loved it because I love Kid <laughs> Spectrum. Like, I would have wanted to have been Kid Spectrum so bad. We got Sam Alexander as Kid Spectrum. We got Kamala Khan as Girl Power. Best name! Uh, yeah, best name ever. We have Miles Morales as the second Falcon. The first Falcon, dead or not, got so much play in this series. I love that some people are into their sidekicks, some people aren't. They fight a Deadpool with a mallet who turns, and then, wait, there's Rick Jones there. I couldn't follow this, but I liked it. Yeah, Kid Spectrum is very much an ego character. I loved it. I thought it was it was just, it was fun. Like, the idea that they have sidekicks, which sidekicks aren't a huge thing for Marvel, so to really highlight specifically a sidekick issue, a young kids issue, was pretty cool. The fact that it wasn't really a whole team was also interesting. Yeah, this was this was one of the ones that got me a little bit like, yeah, this is cool. That yeah, was rad. I love the nod to even the Brave and the Bold original New Titans. Yes, 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 um, yes, yes. Yeah, so like, so cool. I, I was I was loving it. Girl power, the best. I love Kamala in the universe. So now I'm going to move us right along to Heroes Reborn 5 
Dave, and here is Reborn, because like, I'm keeping like good track of the time and how much time I have for each one of these segments. And now I only, I mean, we're already a little bit behind schedule, but I'm going to keep our, I'm going to keep these asses moving and keep them in the seats. So yes. then here is Reborn 5 is like the story of Darkhawk, which I'm into. But the fact that he's Batman and Spider-Man, which are not two characters that I think yeah. are the same, <laughs> makes a whole lot of sense. I loved some of the things here. The villain wants to cheat on the skull. I loved Otto and the Goblin and Deadpool. There was so much stuff I did really like here, but then there's Gwen Joker and like... I liked this issue, but it was one of those times where I was like, you're throwing at the wall. Coming up against the the last issue, like, oh, not not anywhere near as good, especially with sort of the art being so fantastically gross and grotesque in the last one. Uh, Nighthawk doesn't always work. I appreciated that this was a really stylized look. Yeah, it didn't work for me in the same way that the stylization of the Doc Spectrum thing did. So the thing I was going to say, Nico, is that, like, this is the issue that is, like, Darkhawk is the thing that we take out of Heroes Reborn. He's the one that ends up joining the Avengers and, like, being the most likely to succeed, basically, of all these people. So this is the the anchor point at which we're like, we kind of need to fall in love with this guy a little bit. So it felt like they were packing stuff in for that purpose like if he's the spider-man and the batman like maybe he's the most beloved guy but you know it just doesn't work like that and i almost would have kept it out specifically based on the idea that we were going to get more Darkhawk in avengers and everybody else kind of just needed to have their moment in the sun eventually we get eventually more <laughs> it is take it fuck we get ronin and black panther joining in 5b but it doesn't tell us anything <laughs> anything they're just on the team now <laughs> okay knights american knights let's do it this was a nighthawk story featuring luke cage with a okay i don't know i probably shouldn't find crazy cleric <laughs> no you should not that is correct <laughs> you know so that's good we've identified the fun, problem this was a fun nuts romp this was just nuts though it was just nuts it was nuts didn't make any sense but it was fun at times yeah i mean it, i agree with everything this was re- this was the batman thing for for nighthawk and it you know, that's fine but it did just have a lot of stuff it wanted to talk about that can only really be good if this universe is not ending a week later uh, <laughs> Um, sorry it's just how it goes you know and for a universe that lasted like right that's it it got so short that it went backward till it never existed (laughs) the flashback in marvel double action hour hero super spectacular mega monolith this I've seen this flashback so many times. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> by the end, I felt beat up by it. I was over it before it even came out. It felt like whenever Norman Osborn sees Gwen Stacy's neck crack over and over and over and over, and I'm like, okay, I got it. I got it. Oh, my God. But this time it was Falcon. No. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that this <laughs> relied so heavily. That this relied so heavily on a mythos that just didn't actually exist. Like, 
it was just a weird attempt to like be like this was really a thing get into it just for the week though because it's never a thing again i there was just so much that i couldn't buy into and this kind of embodies that well from a kind of low point in the series for me to what i can only call one of my favorite single issues of any book ever of all time on heroes reborn concluded we're going to take a look at seven return squadron savage night gwen weapon x and alpha flight but we're gonna take a look first at heroes reborn number six zarda is so nuts i just I love her yeah it's just there's nothing even left she is literally nuts like and the rainbow axe is like my favorite thing it's right there on the fucking cover it's made from the shards of the rainbow bridge from when she smashed it that's so hot and <laughs> Dami Mommy, you can have whatever you want for me. I I love you. Oh my god, she's so hot. All right. Uh, the litany of like uh, characters that I love that she killed, and I'm still like over here, like I fucking love you, Zarda. Like. <laughs> just amazing yes yeah it is pretty great in and of itself uh what it ends up doing is making me wish that we got more zarda in main continuity uh we get far too little and again my complaint about all this all this good work on the squadron supreme is they still don't really exist in our universe there's always an alternate universe version they always go away again and this was an example of like i can get in oh basically gone now and on that same note that's how i felt about hercules and Thor in this issue. I love Crazy Hercules, <laughs> and I love Thor being here, especially because Thor is who Aaron is best known for writing. Mm -hmm. That it's such a minor note is really cute. You know, I don't actually know that I follow some of the B story here. I also don't know that I actually understood what happened in Squadron Savage. I like Dazzler being there, but my poor... <laughs> Quentin, I wasn't sure what I read. I can't believe that you are saying all this first and not talking about how hot the Punisher was. So hot. <laughs> Mind-meltingly hot. <laughs> just with those thick ass ankles and calves i'm just so impressed yeah i mean we know what we read here this is a bit of a tropey story it is it's fine but not good enough to just be one issue and the fact that we even had one issue so they were like pay attention to this it it wasn't necessarily worth the time I was like so into Savage Avengers when this came out. So I was like, oh my God, this is great. Now rereading it, I'm like, it's okay. Same, same. I had the same reaction. I'm going to be brave but controversial, and everyone's going to clap for me like a real housewife. <laughs> I even have covered a lot of Spider-Gwen for this show at this point. And I, st and I even have covered a bunch of Vita Ayala. I think they are a phenomenal creator. This issue was not my it. Uh, yeah, I, to remember that Vita wrote it, I was like, oh, I love them so much. Oh, but not everybody hit 100% of the time. This was not a favorite. Also, just uh, maybe not the best even concept for a hero. No. You know, the version that we get in Gwenverse who appears, who looks like a, a teenager, like an 18-year-old, kind of gives me a vibe that might have worked a little bit more for this. This is like an adult woman with a job who also <laughs> is kind of behaving like one of the sidekick kids, but is not one of them. I don't know. Okay. 
But now let's talk about what might have been the most moment of the whole series for me. In this universe, Civil War was Nighthawk as Venom versus Hyperion. I would pay so much money to read that. Oh yeah. my god. The the If they could do a Marvel graphic novel. Heroes Reborn Civil War. I think that is such a fucking spin you on your head. It is great. I don't know. I, I thought this whole thing was... This issue was not my favorite. It definitely felt like let's get us to return as quickly as possible. Agreed. Yep. I want the thing that they're not giving us. They're just giving us the reference. And we're, you know, just supposed to imagine how cool it is, which is fine. I've got a great imagination. But if you're not giving me enough good stuff during the event, giving me a bunch of really good ideas and being like, but you can't have them is never going to endear me to you. Well, and like Colson was the bad guy of this event. And like, he's barely in the series until 7B. Yep. Right? Weapon X and Final Flight. What a bummer. Like... <laughs> Ed Brisson can write Wolverine so beautifully. The art is really strong, even if it's not my thing. And I have too many notes about this one, but the body count is is devastating. Gene, Puck, Northstar, Mac, Heather, Marina, Talisman. This might have been the most bodies in a single issue. It was a bummer, but I'm going to say it. As a massive fan of Alpha Flight, it was really true to Alpha Flight's original series, (laughs) which was a fucking bummer and a half. That That was key. I was like... Okay, this is this is well done. Like it was well researched. The characters made sense. Bummer, but Alpha Flight is often a bummer. <laughs> yeah, I really liked that this whole thing managed to get through itself without overusing Wolverine, and in fact, just like tucking him away in Canada, giving him one really depressing, anguishy story, and then we're we're done. All right, so Heroes Return. Let's do it. The whole thing comes down to that moment where Starbrand and Phoenix double smush Zarda that is like that is like the most epic titty fuck of all time and like it is the greatest thing I've ever seen the issue itself is great but for me the best moment is that and there's 615 more Mephisto I did love seeing the council of the Mephistos and I'm like I'm like okay dog Mephisto all right I love you you're 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 okay all right to give that number is such a weird choice because then it's like, so is it the first 615 plus hours? No, we obviously know that's not right because eight. Well, hold on. That's, did you catch the reference to that's his whole plan? No. There's some oblique reference in Avengers 50 where Doom and Mephisto are at it for a minute. And Doom says, I still don't understand why you want to reorder the universes. What care do I have for the order of the universe? So I, wonder I see if that it's the first I now, yeah. Uh, so I I do remember that reference, and I of course am thinking like bring new order to the chaos that is the, not literally reorder them. And I think you're right, and that is okay, fine. That's sure, but really weird choice. Um, <laughs> okay, weird plan, but like yeah, I mean, we knew this was going to end, so everything there kind of played out exactly as you would expect it to. Phoenix. Starbrand Zarda, really, truly an epic moment. But again, don't throw Zarda out.
out now. <laughs> you just did all this work with her. And now we have to, like, I love where we are at Avengers and we're about to get to it. But, like, we do just hard right into the conclusion of this enormous story and kind of leave everything else behind at a certain point. I would say, like, my big gripe about the event as a whole is it, it yes, while it does play to some of Jason Aaron's strengths, it does play to a lot of his weaknesses where he is glad to smush a lot of stuff together that sometimes is fun but sometimes you're like okay enough all right enough like how many of those do we need and like the reliance on it being an avengers event extensively but then the two people who save the day are just supporting members of the avengers they're not even avengers yeah they're centerpieces of aaron's run <laughs> which we get to come back to <laughs> yeah aaron really does do kind of the like when you're an avenger you're an avenger like if you showed up you are an avenger and it's very much that like ladder post claremont x-men thing where anybody who's at the mansion and throws a punch is now suddenly an x-man so you know we're all avengers and the the real avengers were the friends we made along the way it's like when x-corps became all officially members of x-men so then you had all these people you're like oh they were an x-men oh they were an x yeah mm -hmm. every now and then when they're like oh this person was an x-man i'm like no they were in a book called x-men check your shit <laughs> We are rolling our shit over into World War She-Hulk! Gen now, Smash. Gen Smash. Gen get big and red. I, okay, first of all. <laughs> Why I, the blonde, though? Why the blonde? I don't care. I love it. I'm so fucking stupid. She looks like Omega Red, and I think it's terrific. <laughs> This is World War She-Hulk. When you are completely turned and evil, you are red and blonde. Like, now we know. Now we know. Mega Karen. <laughs> the Red Widow is the Mega yeah. Karen. She yeah. is. Uh, and she's oh, gonna she's tell, an Omega Karen. She's going to tell everybody in Atlantis what's on her mind. So <laughs> uh, this was released July to December of 2021, finally putting us close to now. I need to say a couple of things here. We got the Winter Guard. We've got Gorilla. Man, we've got the Atlanteans, and this is all before we even get to the triple sized 50. So 46 to 49, this whole Crimson Dynamo, Dark Star Vanguard, Red Widow, Ursa Major, Vostok infiltration. How do you guys feel about the infiltration of the Avengers? What should we call it? House Corpse? I don't like the infiltration. I love this team. I really like the Winter Guard. They makes a lot of sense to me. We've seen a lot of like rush as just like monolithically evil in X stuff. So for Avengers to be like, it's a little bit more everybody is just taking care of their sphere. I appreciated that. And so this both like the actual infiltration kind of shoots down any hope we have of making these teams relatively equivalent in any way. Yeah, I don't I don't have a ton more to say about it than that. It feels like just this is what has to happen so we can have the event be called World War She-Hulk. I did like the gorilla man story line that came out of it and his quest for redemption and i was like i love you so much gorilla man but 
Yeah, and I don't know. The The Winter Guard was cool. It's always cool to see Darkstar here and there. I'm super gay for Ursa Major and Gorilla Man together. <laughs> I, I want them to have hairy, hairy big man sex, and <laughs> it'd be really hot, okay. right? <sighs> did love how we found out that the whole idea uh, was Jin's idea all along to go along with this. I love the agency that gave her character that she had been missing so much of the Avengers run. I was like, wow, okay. I kind of like Aaron she-hulk now as she's getting written out of the series so like okay cool and that really was the biggest thing for me i had this was the first avengers i had read because uh at one point we were kind of eyeing doing coverage for she-hulk and i wanted to get some background on where she had come from and i read this and you know i i saw exactly that like oh she's getting her story now she's like in the mix she's out of the book <laughs> yeah well and yeah. so then that's the problem with this title for the most part for me having gotten to read read it all together and then put the slides together thanks to our amazing producer kevo working so hard he works so tirelessly to make this show perfect i saw how many ideas are introduced in like avengers 7 and don't come due till avengers 52 and how frustrating that is and she hulk is one of them and then she disappears and maya and thor get so much play in 46 and 48 and then they disappear and there's this moment later on in like 60 between Thor and Iron Man and I'm like oh do you two know each other <laughs> I didn't realize oh okay and I I do need to say my favorite part of the whole arc is probably when Jen is like no no here's what's gonna happen I'm gonna go to the bottom of the ocean and do what I need to do and Gorilla Man is like don't leave me in this boat <laughs> like the panic on seeing someone actually faced with being an Avenger for a day reminds me why Robbie Reyes is the coolest Avenger ever even though he gets no play until he's immediately written out of the book. <laughs> I mean, but to be written out in the way that he is and to go on to do what he does is okay in this case. A little bit of all riding, okay. <laughs> I'm trying to think if there was anything else that I'm like so hardcore about. Uh, the reference that Blade makes to being like, yeah, there's like Wolverine vampire stuff. I know about that. Yeah. And also I hung out with MI-13 for a little bit. That happened. I was like, yeah, you know I, I, stuff. I did like Blade going through after She-Hulk had ravaged the vampire nation and just like killing a few vampires and being like, oh no, She-Hulk killed them all. all dead. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the Red Guard's plan... Okay, first... <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Red Widow is like, all right, well, this didn't go according to plan. She-Hulk's going to beat me. Gamma. All right. I'm going to I'm going to fight you, She-Hulk. Also, I love you, my handler. Sometimes and this Jason is what I'm saying. <laughs> curveballs right in. Yeah, and this is what I'm saying in terms of like he sets up so much cool stuff, and then you're like, oh, make that its own thing. Don't just be like, here's the quickest answer I can possibly give you in this book because <laughs> this is not the Winter Guard book. Like, get the Winter Guard book published and be like, find out what actually happens in this. Agreed. All right, we have to do it. <sighs> So anybody who knows me knows that I have an awkwardly romantic relationship with characters who are just giant round heads. <laughs> I'm 
really into any character that's like a giant eight ball or a giant eyeball, anything like that. And the orb is on a very short list of some of my favorite things Jason Aaron has ever given to the Marvel Universe. And many people don't realize. He took them away. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. He took away my precious orb. You know, orb had that creepy watcher eye crocoing onto his body. You know, some weird shit happens to it. But ultimately, I just want to start with what do you guys think about number one i do love kazar time avenger i love that but number two what do you guys think about this masters of evil i'm very curious i like we've learned some of their histories but like did we ever learn is dark phoenix really gene or like because i mean she seems like she is but we don't know doesn't she look a i don't little think bit it's like the, she looks like the nazi tortured kitty oh a little bit oh yeah. a little bit and the is that a mask that she's wearing or is so that is just, she destiny that's what i was wondering but then she's got this weird obsessions with Logan. So I was like, oh, this guy Gene Gay written all over. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Logan is just like, I mean, the, using Logan is everybody's jam. Like, that's not Gene does it best. Gene <laughs> does it best. She didn't do it first. She won't do it last. So that that for me is not like a piece of evidence. It's just like, who wouldn't? He's a beast <laughs> is doing it right now in X4. Like, you just throw <laughs> Berserker him at stuff and stuff happens. Now I'm kind of into this Masters of Evil. When I read this for the first time, I was not. I felt like I didn't see where it was going. It didn't make a lot of sense to me. I didn't see how grand the vision was and how it would come together as it is currently. At the time, it just felt like, oh, really? More stuff? And what's great is it is being paid off, and I do like the story. The problem is we shunted off so much of what started this book out for the first 49 issues in order to jump into this final grand story that's happening in Assemble and Doom forever. Cucker, Doom. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, I really do. I like this now. It is good. I'm sort of lamenting how it has come about and what we've lost as a result. I would say at first, when I first was introduced to him, I was like, oh, wow, this is rad. And then when I was reading more of it, I was like, okay, come on, Jason, and get to the point. And now upon reread and a lot more of it has been explained i'm like oh okay cool like i i kind of see it now but like like i like some of them more in concept than i do in actual reality yeah i am not here for like bratty little kid thanos i hate him (laughs) see i i hate him too but i do feel like he is a good tool for aaron you know he is just wanting destruction in this way where like we don't have to care and we can move forward like villainy i love ghost goblin i don't want to talk about it <laughs> see i do this is we are opposites here i do not care for ghost goblin at all i don't get him like he goes around killing ghost riders like what <laughs> but like i do love the idea of a uh, doom that like has a weird sexual fetish about for killing, killing other, doom. other dooms it's so hot <laughs> it's like okay that's very dark doom we like he get off on killing other versions of himself he was like it's so intimate like i was like oh. i had a weird like i was like i gotta call my therapist i don't know what's going on here that was a 
that issue damaged me psychologically for Several a while. Times. I'm going to be Same, dealing yeah. with this. That it is a, a man thing, Doom, and he's like, I must make you fall in love with me and then destroy you. Joke, you can actually be my like minion, cut out your tongue. I am wearing my girlfriend's body, which I know is a previous thing, but like even still, it's just like, oh lord. I was into it. Kinda. Doom cucker doom. <laughs> I love Jane being like, hey, if She-Hulk's gonna look fabulous and leave the book, I'm here, guys. And everybody's like, oh, okay. So, Jason Aaron, you're gonna just keep writing Jane Thor? You're not Oh, okay. One of my complaints about a lot of the Avengers over this book has been, like, maybe I don't love the voice that he uses for all of them, but, like, having read a lot of his Jane, I was like, oh, that's the Jane I'm used to. <laughs> there she is. All right. I mean, it really is, like, the baller Marvel creative move to be like, I don't care that this character doesn't belong in this book. I wrote this character. Like, I wrote the definitive version, so she's coming along with me. And he's doing that all over the place with this. I appreciate it, even if it doesn't always feel convincing. All right, now we have the ultimate question, you guys. This is the most important thing. Everyone, if you're watching, this is the most important question to ask yourself. <laughs> Keep watching and listening and reading. If you care about <laughs> Deathlock, do you care about Deadlock? <laughs> Click nothing for yes. Shut down your computer for no. The entire internet just blanks off. All you the just killed all of our clock. Yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of just... Deathlocks. There's a lot of Deathlocks, though, Nico. There's a lot of them. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And it's I don't Deathlock care and about and any of them. Yeah. I was like, wait, is this? Deathlock confuses me so fucking much because I'm like, is this, this is not the same Deathlock? No, they're never the same Deathlock. I was like, this isn't the Uncanny X-Force Deathlock. Oh, they're never right. the same Deathlock. And then they kill my precious orb and they eat. Oh, wait, no, we're not at eating the eyeball yet, right? <laughs> eating the eyeball comes later. Okay. Cosmic Kazar. All right, daddy. Let's fuck. All right. <laughs> Yeah, but like sending him back like to like then I'm like okay cool I guess he is a prehistoric man but what the fuck is he gonna do they know about the 1 billion BC Avengers because Tony Stark spent time there so like why would you send Kazar like what is he gonna do talk bring like have Sabu go bite somebody if I could talk with the animals it would yeah he can't even do that <laughs> all right okay uh, World War World War She-Hulk uh, final thoughts B minus. Uh. It's fine, but who? I just, it's, I don't care. A plus moment goes to Robbie saying, Who's going to take care of Gabe if I die? That was really cute. I, I love seeing Jin get back out of her Hulk form, so it gets a B plus for that alone. And uh, I loved Thor putting <laughs> the Russian gods in the hospital. <laughs> 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 why, why would you say that? <laughs> the balls. <laughs> the Mjolnir's hanging from this. This man and clearly i mean jason aaron anyway. yeah i honestly i just want the winter guard book now it's too late at this point but like great great group of characters and uh namor namor joins the book okay I mean, but does All he right. though really like as much as any of the avengers are in the book as much as anyone is in the book not for jane well, she's like taking over i love it but like she's like all over the place And from World War She-Hulk to what, I don't know, when I first read <coughs> Avengers Forever, I think I was pretty negative on it. And the more I've read this arc, 
don't know, because I read it when it first came out, and then I read it again in, like, trade, and then I read it for this. Every page of this is transformative in some way. I love All Vengeance, and that Odin powered All Vengeance, which is what Robbie is. So, like, Robbie is technically kind of a Thor character now, I guess. The greatest thing I've ever heard is a symbiote is an operating system that a Ghost Rider can drive. That was the coolest moment of 2022, by far. I was thrilled. So how did everybody feel about the Lords of Earthly Vengeance from Avengers Forever 1 through 5? Uh, I thought it did a good job of setting up what Jason Aaron thinks of as the archetypes for these characters. Like, I, I really couldn't get invested in any of the alternate universe characters themselves, but I did like what it said about how Aaron feels about these characters. That he really hasn't shown how he feels about in the Avengers that much. I, For one thing, I'm very much in love with Tony Stark Ant-Man. I don't... Everything about him is sexy. I hate Tony Stark Iron Man. I did not hate like, Ant-Man. I, I, no, I mean, like everything about he's super hot. Also, uh, Aaron Cooter keeps drawing him specifically like a Romita character. Nobody else, but there are like eight or nine different panels, close up shots of Ant-Man's face where he really looks like specifically he's trying to ate John Romita Jr. style. And it, and it just works for the character. I don't know. It's a weird thing I'm noticing, but I love it a lot. It's all fantastic. Yeah, you know, my biggest thing with what happened happens in forever and where the main Avengers book goes is it just starts to shift to a place that leaves me wanting some kind of different format or something like we really go deeply into this like now you need to know about this like hierarchy of Avengers and like the multiverseness of them and it just kind of is happening in fits and starts and splotches throughout various stories I wish it were a little bit more organized and it were doing a little bit more to set expectations for me. Well, I'm so glad you said the name Aaron Cooter, because that reminds me that I did not do the creative credits on Avengers 46 through 50, plus Avengers Forever 1 through 5. So 46 through 49 are drawn by Javier Garon with colors by David Curiel, letters by VCs Corey Pettit, and of course words by Jason Aaron, with the exception of the inks on 49 being by Flaviano. For issue 50, it's an incredible who's who of creative teams. We have Aaron Cooter, Carlos Pacheco, Rafael Fontiez, Eric, uh, Ed McGinnis, and Javier Garon on art. They also do their own inks, so it's a pretty complete deal. We have Alex Sinclair, David Curiel, Matt Hollinsworth, and Rochelle Rosenberg on colors with Corey Pettit on letters. Additionally, there are two backup stories. There's the really amazing diagram of the Avengers Tower Celestial Corpse House by David Baldon with colors by Israel Silva and letters by Corey Pettit as well as the I, I, I'm glad we didn't even talk about it because what the fuck is that backup I don't understand I, and I looked into it evidently Christopher Ruccio is like a big name in like British fantasy novels <laughs> Okay. Yeah, that <laughs> made no sense oh. to me. But it's got Steve McNiven <laughs> and Frank Darmada and Corey Pettit on art. That brings us to Avengers Forever, The Lords of Earthly Vengeance 1 through 5. Now, this issue, the series, was originally promoted to be all by Jason Aaron and Aaron Cooter, but that's not how it wound up going. Aaron Cooter and Cam Smith, along with Jason Keith and Triona Farrell, one of the only times we have a different letterer, do the first issue. The second mm. issue is Aaron Cooter and Carlos Ma- 
Mongo, with inks by Scott Hanna, Robert Pogge, and Cam Smith, along with colors by Guru Effects and letters by Corey Pettit. The third issue sees Aaron Cooter with Cam Smith and Scott Hanna, Guru and Corey. <laughs> Guru and Corey, my buddies. The fourth issue is Jason Aaron, Jim Tao, and Guru Effects, alongside the fifth issue, same creative team, plus J- uh, Jim Tao contributed some of the colors. So the big thing here is that I found some of the issues really unsatisfying at the time. I didn't enjoy an entire issue of the Black Skull torturing the All Rider. Mm-hmm. Fuck that. Not my thing. I don't love seeing Nazis in power. You know, but uh, I'm surprised no one said it yet. That Moon Knight is the shit. I do. Lo- I love that Simon Williams too, and I love the fucking Infinity thing. It is time for clobbering. <laughs> <laughs> the Infinity thing has like one of the hottest designs I've ever I've ever seen. Yeah. I, I want like a Dazzler Infinity thing. I, I know that doesn't make any sense, but Dazzler Infinity thing is my new favorite thing. Now that we're here, so close to the wrap-up, reading this again was very enjoyable, but I think you're right. At the time, it, it was more of what I was saying earlier, which is like, I didn't get where this was going. I didn't have any concept of the vision. Is this going to be super important, or is this just like a diversion? What am I looking at here? Now that I know better, I do. I It's, it's easier to get into. And it did, it did another one of the things that I'm like, oh, why does he always do this? Where like he drops the, like the Thor, the Thor girl, like they show up in issue four. Or was it for issue four? Is it, is yeah. It, yeah. It's issue four. They show up in issue four and like, they don't show back up until like the last issue. And I'm like, oh, okay. They were important, but like, <laughs> like Captain fucking Carter. Yeah. <laughs> uh, wait, who, who, was anybody else like Hawkeye looks, is, is he not supposed to be that purple? What? <laughs> Uh, I also loved Red Room Iron Man. That was some shit. All right, let's just talk about it. Doom cooks doom. <laughs> Disexually for doom. <laughs> doom is amazing. A giant size. I think they made that giant sized man doom joke in there. That was that was good. But other than that, I'm like, and then when he cuts his tongue out for him, and I'm sure he cleaned up the mask. Doom ego. Like, and it's all happening on planet Doom that also is subservient to Doom. How did he sexually dominate an entire planet of himself? <laughs> <laughs> How did he crucify its head? It's a planet. <laughs> did he like just like project himself really big in space? Hammer He's like, I'm inside you now. I am. He's like, I am inside you now, planet Doom. I am your top. Yeah, and seriously, he is like the world's tiniest bratty top. Like, <laughs> uh, the problem becomes uh, like, what are we gonna do with our Doom now? Like, we have to take him seriously, and <laughs> he's not a threat. Like, the next time he shows up and threatens the Fantastic Four, I'm gonna crawl into the book and be like, let me tell you what a Doom is, sir. I'll cut my own tongue out. I'm good. (laughs) I don't want this. I did not sign up for this. I'm just a doom, you guys. Makes me wonder why, like, in X-Men Fantastic Four, Emma Frost didn't just go, I got you now.
We're going to be taking a look now at Avengers Forever Infinity Comics 1 through 4. And these were released from March to April of 2022. And I had a lot of feelings about these four issues in some interesting ways, some not so interesting ways. I really found the first one unfulfilling as a read. It did very little to nothing. But there's a blind Thor who dies so that the hammers can have a party with the Thor girls. I mean, um, this is actually like, I kind of wish that more of the stuff that had been in Avengers and Avengers Forever had been pulled out and put into Infinity books like this, because there's a little bit of a of a point and a reference that's going towards the larger story. But most of it is flavor and just a little bit of like, hey, take a look at this other world. Like, it's not super important, but there's a piece of it that is. And if you wanted the backstory, here is that backstory and you know to have put that in an infinity book again like if this were like 20 to 30 issues and they were each two to four issue arcs and we just pulled a lot of that out and left it in the infinity book i probably would be a little bit more like this avengers run is sharp it's on the ball it's got these like things and that's it there is just a lot of stuff and it's all just kind of like sprawled throughout multiple books and without really much guidance for what to read, what to care about. This era of Avengers would have really, really benefited from the checklist like X-Men books have, like, in the oh, back. Oh, that's like, a great point. Like, where if you're like, hey, cool, the story is continuing here and here and here, because if, if I didn't know, like, this was going on, like, I didn't know this was going on until just recently, and I'm like, oh, yeah. okay. Fills a little holes in, so. It gave me something that I thought was really important. It gave me the idea that there really is a bigger plan here at play. Because one of the things that's become kind of frustrating is the pages of Avengers kind of just like fly by sometimes in a way that makes me wonder if the economy of page is being preserved for the sanctity of the reader or for the sanctity of art. Which side of this is the book always airing on? And it feels like it's always airing on the sanctity of the art, like or the reader's cost. So we're getting these things that go on and on, and they're these big performative ideas that I enjoy. I'm very into them. But the where did the Thor girls come from in Avengers Forever? Well, now I kind of understand. They know about the Masters of Evil, so they're called to this bigger story, and that's where the Captain Carter thing comes in. One of the things that I think is so great great about that pivotal moment for this book is when we get Avengers Assemble, Avengers Forever is a prayer. It adds something counter to the idea of Mephisto as the actual bad guy of the arc. So if the bad guy is the devil and the Avengers are uniting through a prayer that is non-denominational, it's non-religious, it is a prayer that is a call for anyone who can answer it. It actually gives the book a huge perspective that I love following. It just should never have taken this many issues. Yeah, I mean, I, I completely agree. Or, like, again, I think just organize the issues. Checklist, great idea. They're clearly happy to do, uh, you know, labeled A and B plots. So make, make it clear that, like, A is where this thing happens that you need to know. B is an interesting story that you might want to check out. Like, give us some help knowing what matters and what doesn't, basically. The way Avengers reads, we were talking about how sometimes it reads too fast. I, I kind of agree with it on that. 
that. It's it's some books you go to are really fun, rock'em sock'em time. You're gonna like get done with that book in five minutes. Sometimes a book is like a Gillen book, and you are going to spend thirty minutes reading all of the text in it. You're gonna have a great time while doing it, but you need to budget that time. Avengers seems like it doesn't want to be the type of book where you read it in five minutes, but it it, it is, and it's become more of that book over the span of the run. I agree. It really feels like it's gonna sound so silly, but it feels like the panels have gotten bigger with yeah. less in each one and uh that's of note that's something that i think i really loved about this to point out the creative team on this avengers forever infinity comic one through four is by the incredible creative team of jason aaron kev walker dean white and Corey pettit the book itself really utilizes the shifting format it really uses infinite scroll beautifully and that's really engaging i think kev walker was really great about what fit on a page where maybe not every artist on the main book always feels like they care so much about that. But, you know, on the whole, I would say as an Infinity comic, as something I didn't pay for, this gets a B+. I didn't pay for it. Thanks for the good book, Marvel Unlimited. It's one of those nice value-added deals that they add. Like, you know, like, you you, you get Marvel Unlimited to read your classic issues, but you exactly. love the Unlimited stories. This is definitely one of those ones where you're like, oh, this was a really fun read. Just like a lot of the Eggman Unlimited Infinity book. Like, really fun. Yep, I couldn't agree more. And I think it expands the world and the story in a way that I wish some of these other books had let their expansion happen somewhere else so that they could be a little more focused issue to issue. That brings us then to Avengers 51 through 56, The Death Hunters, which will go down in history as the strangest, most confusing, simultaneous arc going on at the same time as another arc. So this takes place at the same time as Avengers Forever, and it's where everybody who's not in Avengers Forever is. They're <laughs> here, all of the other Masters of Evil, I guess, and this is by Jason Aaron, Juan Frigeri, David Curiel, Javier Garon, Brian Reber, and Corey Pettit, and it is the most confusing arc that I think I really liked. You know, I thought I knew what was going on up until the Serpent Society appeared. Yeah! Okay, thank you! <laughs> and I'm like... <laughs> What the literal fuck is this? It was it was really it was fun. I mean, I have to say it was fun. I I don't know reading it month to month if that would have been something that was really fun to go through. But like it it's fun when you can read it as a collected trade. Yeah, like it and in that manner, like it's on MU right now. It's fun. Go read it. it. You might you might love it. You might hate it. But it's I fun. also think it's fun if you <laughs> are aware that you will now have access to the definitive story about what is happening with. Phoenix and Thor. I'm really glad I did not read this until after that had all been published and was very easy to get to. This is an example of something like they talk so much about and around their backgrounds and stories. Put that in an infinity book. Like it is confusing a lot of the plot here. And you've just put another Phoenix in the mix that turns into a bird. Like not the Phoenix Raptor, <laughs> a bird, a, a sexy chicken. Moira, Moira Rose. <laughs> it is the, ah! it, it is the 
we're having the crowning that's just it's a lot it's a lot and to then be like and here are my emotional issues i can't do it all you need to separate it into play like buckets that i can pick up as needed and yeah i mean like you guys i think that i understood everything that was happening it's a lot easier now that so much of it is all published but i i think i would be completely fucking out of it if this was a month-to-month thing and i had to go read like each shoe back again before i picked up the most recent one because they do not flow like that no over this whole thing the thor and echo arc before it came out what it really was i was like okay cool i, I like there's something going on like let, let's give it a shot see what it is now that we know what it is that phoenix is like his foster mom and spirit like his conception <laughs> doula I just, i'm like what like took up so much of the character so arcs much. i'm like <laughs> like this is not that important to take up all like you you probably had over the the span of when that it got introduced a whole issue or two worth of pages about thor and echo just like not talking about it well and then there's like so there's that huge moment that that they give us that setup for in in 51 and then they're like pause star brand and captain marvel have to be petty at a funeral for a friend of <laughs> captain america's which <laughs> I ultimately really liked it, but I was, I was like, what's happening? I think that was the most characterization of Carol he's given her this whole entire time of the Avengers that he's been And let her. us pause for a moment to think about the fact that his conception of Carol is she will fight with a teenager that has only been alive for a couple of weeks. <laughs> Which, you know, falls in line with a lot of my recent characterization of Carol. Except for, sure. except for like, there is this amazing Captain Marvel book going on by Kelly Thompson that, like, she is so much more and so much better than that. It just does it, it, it can't and it doesn't jive with what's going on in her solo. That is one of the really big problems. I think it is funny. Like, the beat of her fighting with Starbrand is funny, especially when you put it like that and you, like, step back. I wish the book decided to play it for a little bit of laughs and and be like, when things are really stressful and you're stuck with other superheroes, Carol turns into like a crazy person. Like we get crazy. And like, this is like, let's laugh about it for a second, but go read Captain Marvel. If you want to see what she's like when she's on her shit, what it reads like is just like, I wanted to write the story. So this is how Carol will be behaving. And no, I will not be laughing about it. Well, uh, I was not laughing in issue 53 (laughs) when, uh, as my notes say, that's right, Jane, fight that doom. Right? <laughs> <laughs> She's just so good. And Red Panther. Let's just oh. rename the show Red Panther for podcast. Let's just, uh, yes, and uh, amazing X's for podcast, super voice, and now super fan. Jake is uh, chiming in with Carol Dundurdy. I agree, it, but also Red Panther. Okay, but, like, again, why do the Avengers get only, like, great moments right before they are gone from the fucking book? Oh, but that's the other thing. Can we take two (laughs) seconds and talk about how many amazing secret backup costumes come from this book? How many cool other looks everybody gets? How many (laughs) space costume, Russian room costume, Omega Red Variant She-Hulk with Mega Grip (laughs) boobies? I don't know. (laughs) The Mega Big Group. 
this is just so many amazing artists being like, this is my take on what the Marvel Universe could look like if you would make it fashion. Red Panther. (laughs) (laughs) I really, really love so many of these new looks and I love what they do for these characters and how they sort of bring the book forward. But speaking of bringing the book forward, I gotta ask you guys, the squadron took so long to come back up and then we finally get Nighthawk in 55, 56. How do you guys feel about Nighthawk finally getting his due as a badass Avenger when he's been a badass all along? It is kind of the thing that I said about that I was talking about in Heroes Reborn. It is super cool, but also Aaron like it's a, it is a weird thing where Aaron has Black Panther of all characters come up and be like, here's all the reasons you suck, but I know that you're <laughs> in it with us. And I, that's just like, oh, that's a really hard, I guess I didn't really think about, because again, it's been a while, I didn't really think about the fact that he's like specifically anti-progressive and like a little bit fashy when he is a congressperson and that Black Panther really doesn't like those things. There's also a weird thing about like two black men talking to each other and this is kind of like the, like they can't both be on the same side and have the same values. I don't know how I feel about that. It's weird, but like the one thing I just really don't love is that it's like, okay, you're definitely, you definitely want to stop Mephisto. So that's great. I wish he was also like a, a good guy. Cause he, apparently he's not. And I trust black Panther on that read. I don't know that heroes reborn was worth going through to get. That is the payoff. Like he's a fine character. Like I'd, I'd like to see him have to deal with the previous Kyle Richmond, who was a defenders member, see that kind of like stuff happen and like, and deal with his identity. And instead of just whatever happened after his intro. And speaking of things that have happened and been introduced, and I kind of forgot the order of them. <laughs> issue 54 is when they eat the eyeball. So, oh. <laughs> Um, Doom takes a chunk out of the Watcher eyeball, throws it on the ground, and then Mephisto is like, Mephisto! And he just... Okay, like his death scene too, Orb's death scene, like, is he, like, turned different shades of eye color before then? It was William Shatner levels of camp. I was like, I love this. And when they were eating him, I was like, oh, okay, cool. Are they going to try to kill Nick Fury now and, like, eat his eyeball? And then they got both of the Watcher's eyes. Yes to all of this. I just don't necessarily get it. (laughs) I mean, I thought it was going to be like, we ate it, so now we have all the knowledge. But apparently when... Doom can't, like, sexually dominate a Mephisto. He's like, I'll do food instead. It's I'll do gluttony for this one. Since I can't do lust, I don't know what what the plan is here. It was a moment. That Doom is like a Dom who just, like, never goes home and takes off his Dom mask. He's just like... like and as we know, that's not healthy. Home. That will be his That will be his undoing. Yeah. He's gonna get an infection. But <laughs> I, I need to point out that the greatest thing that has ever happened in any issue of Avengers ever has to be, for me, the thick-ass Thor that Jane Foster imagines being married to in issue 56. He is built and stuffed for loving. And I love Jane fighting alongside a Valkyrie. I I get it, girls. I would fight alongside both of you. You're both awesome. I don't know what else to fucking say. And I love all of the, you're Mephisto. Mm-mm. Kind of shit going on. I don't know. Issue 56. I'm so glad we're on it together and that I didn't have to cover it without you guys because issue 56, I mean, not that I had to, but like, I mean, there wasn't some world where I covered this without you two because this issue is such a Jane Foster Valkyrie issue. And 
and down to the her looking at the hammer kind of like miss you <laughs> this, this book is horny in the weirdest possible ways <laughs> to go from yes that particular depiction of thor which absolutely incredible like also not how thor looks in this book it is really jane's imagining of like how they would live together and he's like super hot and she's ready to fuck all the <laughs> way to the end of the book where she's like i miss fucking that hammer <laughs> But yeah. I mean, like it, that's I, I have to say, like his writing when Jane came onto the book, like especially for Jane, turned into something that the rest of the book hadn't been before. So I feel like it was weird because the book has moments where it goes into that serious, like cool, like he knows Jane, he loves her, he inside and out, like he has her voice. So then you like get these other characters, and you're like, mm, but you can be a really great and deep writer, but why aren't you? You. Yep, or I was like, screen, but you can still see it. <laughs> ah, yeah, that was hot. <sighs> And I do, I do love how she's like, like, God damn, Thor, you've got a rock hard dick, but that hammer has got a really long handle. Uh, And who can blame her? Who can blame her? She understands the power of being a god. And that's sort of the thing that makes this book so unique. It's about these larger than life characters being larger than life. And that's one of the things that I think that the Death Hunters gets really right as an arc. I also love that it gives us that awesome image that we have in the lower corner that shows the awesome team and their amazing lineup. It's such a cool lineup. It's such a waste that the next arc completely throws this lineup in the trash. And has no use for it. And we get Edo Avengers, which are awesome, but what? And we get Azardos. God, Nathan, I want to give you 45 minutes. Man, you are eating, Nathan. You get so many Zardoses in this. There are, like, there are, like, so many. Like, it's like Aaron was like, oh, my God, what's a family that I could have? Oh. (laughs) What's a Marvel family that nobody's already defiled? Yes. If only it hadn't been the Yamas, Nico. Oh, I get so horny for the Yamas. Okay. So uh, I'm having such a great time. We are going to just keep on rolling uh, straight on into our next bit of coverage. And we are going to take a look at the next volume of Avengers Forever. Now, Avengers Forever Volume 2 Pillars is so unique because instead of being a straight arc about any one thing, it's an arc about how these characters represent the pillars of the foundation of the Avengers. You have Vibranium Man, who is a black panther you have prison hot sex steve i don't know what i read there that was really strange I'm you sorry, have really horny captain america that's the best out of all that well yeah and, is wolverine duke captain america <laughs> which i'm obsessed with we have a thor who <laughs> he has thunder fist because he basically becomes the iron fist by beating up his hammer which i love god of fists god, god of fists, fists. Amazing. We have the Carol Core in a really I don't I'm not sure what I read there. We'll get into it. And we have the amazing Ant-Man Tony Stark Iron Fist starting a Tony Stark support group for Tony Starks in recovery of Tony, Tony Stark's Anonymous. <laughs> and then we top things off with one of my favorite issues ever of my beautiful Robbie. And yes, he does look like Ron Perlman. He does look like Ron Perlman. I love it. 
So let's get into it. Vibranium Man, issue seven, six, six, issue six. Vibranium Man is a great idea, but this felt awfully close to the what if stories. Exactly. And I was really disappointed by how close this felt to that what if. Exactly. When I was reading it, I was like, wait, which one came out first? This sort of the what if episode? Like what, what what's going on here? And at the end, did he become a Phoenix Panther or did he become a Star Brand Panther? I think he's a Star Brand Panther. I, I okay. think it's closer to Star Brand, but he did not have the brand. So it's a weird this is where we start to get a little bit into that weird zone of like i'm not sure i'm not sure where we're entirely going with this nico i love that you brought up the fact that like this is a book about larger than life people being larger than life because this is where we come to understand the way in which the avengers are gods to right the people even though we also have God. like he knows how to write gods who are gods and also avengers and avengers as like a thing that is like a god in that it's a huge conceptual thing and can get expansive to the point where like multiversally the constants about these people can be a binding thing and we need all those constants to come together and win this fight it's really cool there are some great ideas here it's a lot of fun really smart but vibranium man does kind of point to one of the places in which it's like if you don't do it justice for whatever reason maybe you don't have enough time maybe it's just not like you just don't have the story quite right by the time it has to come out it does fall noticeably flat in a way that when you're like i will love the, the fucking group of steves forever i would love the carol core and like i i like that that you know black panther is one of the constants but i don't know that there's anybody who's going to feel the same way about vibranium man and that story i very get that yeah yeah i, I was waiting for like rocket and groot to show up and be like oh <laughs> where are they and like he grew up on Chandelier, like okay, like this yard, like hanging out with action. <sighs> yeah. All right, guys, I have a question. If you put a bunch of Steves in a prison <laughs> camp to test their metal against each other, and you know, sure, there's some Steve After Dark stuff I want to get into at some point, and you guys can probably pick my Steves out, you know. But um, <laughs> my question is: Was this an abduction? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes? Like, yes. I was like, oh, like who is running this weird prison for Steve Rogers versions? Like, and I'm guessing the dog is a version of Steve Rogers too. Like, I'm like, okay, cool. They're trying to, like, somebody's trying to snuff out alternate universe Steve Rogers. But then it was right. them. And I was like, what? Why? And they're, and they're like, man, if we can't test these Steves and break <laughs> these Steves. And I'm like, why are you trying to break Steve Rogers? Oh, because, you know, and like, it's this whole thing about we have to find Avenger Prime. We have to find Avenger Prime. And like, I really hope that Avenger Prime is the team inside of us all along the way. Yes. Wow. So this is an abduction then. <laughs> exactly, producer yeah. Kevo. This is a thousand percent an abduction then. So I, I don't know. Promise cherry blossoms and like some kind of pervert. I'm supposed to go to the cherry blossom <laughs> festival alone. And how did everybody feel about the God of Fists, which I was obviously gay for? Um, everybody, everybody's gay for the God of Fists. Period. You don't get a choice in it. You are gay for the god of fists done I, I the art of him beating up the fist was gruesome but erotic at the same time right in a way that you're not ready to confront about yourself yeah now i do need to point out that half perverts aside no you're just thank you <laughs> i do want to point out really quickly that the incredible art on this amazing arc is brought to us in six by jim tao and guru effects in seven through nine by aaron cooter cam smith and guru effects 
and in 10 and 11 by Jim Tao with Guru FX and Jim Tao and Frank Martin. So there's a really interesting spread of incredible talent on this title. Uh, really lovely work. You know, this, I don't know, this did make me realize that the Avengers really can be broken down into roles. You know, the way that they sub out, it's unfortunate that they sub out Nighthawk for Black Panther and they're both men of color. I don't care for that substitution yeah. value, although it is very important to keep significant volumes of characters of color in these roles. I like the idea that you say, oh, it's the industrialist with the brilliant suit who can solve any crime. That's the part that subs out really well. And that's something that I'm realizing here. Monica subs in for Carol. And if you can't have either of them, some version of Novar can do. You know what I mean? Yep. Some version of a Cree character. This Carol being from a Hellfire world with rabid animal people that seem to get off on torturing <laughs> okay. humans however but that she's from the dark phoenix from the masters of evil's universe right which like, leads me to believe that she like is just a bird <laughs> right and i'm like uh, what's going on here like like why like are, are oh my these god wicked... that's where she's got a bird form yeah <laughs> And it's like, they were talking about, like, the Hellfire, like, rain. And I was like, okay, cool. Is this Jean Grey? Like, I'm, like, still trying to figure out this Dark Phoenix. even though. We okay, I'm going to throw it out there right now. She is literally Raven Darkholm. <laughs> <laughs> and Raven. And, no, oh, my God. And Aaron is famous for writing Mystique and Logan in a relationship. Mm, oh, she that. could be Raven Darkholm. It's just... <laughs> Just gross. Oh, God. Um, also, I love how it's a bunch of animal people and like a pig-headed guy and then just one enormous hook-nosed human dude. Thankfully, he was not like into bagels or anything, but I was watching every single panel and I was like, you better not. Nobody better do anything. Oh, God. Oh, man. Well, I mean... I, I did. That was the only like that was the only time I've ever feel felt that like Jason Aaron has like been semi kind to Carol as a character because like he is not <laughs> like and I'm no Carol defender but like he is not kind to Carol at all. <laughs> He's so being like, kind to the like idea of Carol's broadly <laughs> Omni Carol. He's okay with six one six Carol. I think he still is like He's I don't like, know about you. Nah, he sucks. <laughs> I read Secret War. Civil War Two. I read yeah. Civil War Two. Secret War Two. It's it's a big. They're all, no, they're big different. Uh, they're all civil secrets. It's fine. Uh, but speaking of secrets, were we not supposed <laughs> to get that this was the this was the Stark all along? Were we not supposed to know that it was this Tony Stark the whole time? I like, I was like, why why are we having this issue? There's been a Tony here the whole time who is infinitely more likable than any other fucking Tony Stark I've ever written, read, ever, ever read, ever, ever. ever. or the Jason Aaron ever. Yes, by far my favorite version of Tony Stark. And then, wait, but is he, but is he this Tony Stark son of a Tony Stark? For a second, I was like, I don't, I think that's just another one that he treated like a dad because even in the multiverse when there's a cool Tony Stark, he still has issues and can't figure it out and just latches okay. on to the wrong people in inappropriate ways. Yeah, I just really cool. It, and even the fact that like his Carol Corps is an AA group, 
it's, it's beautiful. And like they have, they've got him there. So they're good. It just a very interesting moment. I, it was a little silly. There was a little bit of giggles, but I don't think that that's not okay in this case. And I do think with the exception of the moment where he's like, and so then we went away and I threw all the alcohol away and it was a tough withdrawal, but then I was fine. Uh, let's just Marvel. Let's be careful when we do alcoholism yeah. stories. We're in a weird place right now. And I just, let's be careful. What is this dollhouse season two? Uh, I, part, <laughs> I was like, I was like, are, are, is that what they're trying to say? Like all alcoholics need to like roll their booze to a portal. Hell. Oh, no. fine. Actual bottle for a demon. Oh my God. <laughs> all the viewers gone, gone uh, before when I literally asked them to disconnect. All right, let's talk about the issue at hand here. Avengers forever. Number 11. I hate, and you can ask my producer husband, Kevo. I am famous for just, I hate bullies in fiction that are unbeatable because I know they're going to be beaten. So why are you putting me through this? Yeah. I know that someone's going to take them down that my all writer, like I, at some point a couple of years ago, like rededicated my life to Robbie Reyes and like just what he means to me. And like, I would have done a Robbie Reyes podcast if I hadn't started the sex men one first. And uh, let's think Robbie as a Latino guy uh, just makes me feel like a superhero, I guess. And uh, I love him and the idea that he could see that the doom above dooms was that kind of bully that I hate in fiction because he's literally unbeatable at this point because we're not at the point where the story will allow him to become beatable. And Robbie in so many ways knew that in that moment and marched toward his death because it was I was it was right for the multi. Oh my God, what a rewarding moment for a fan. Ugh, Avengers Forever number 11. Just that was like, and then Deathlock went and, you know, <laughs> did the right thing for reality. And, uh, but that was like, that was the kind of moment where you just want to be like, Jason Aaron, thank you for knowing what Robbie Ray is means to a generation of people who did not feel that there was a character for them. Oh, Robbie Ray. Love this. I loved this issue, but it made me go back and think how much there was parts of issue one. I really hated, I hated the idea of him having to slay all the other alternate versions of Robbie Reyes because that wasn't really the character that Robbie Reyes was and maybe that's what Jason Aaron thought he needed to be to become the all writer and claim it but like I think the payoff of that was cool to see that emotional uh, arc and to have the Deathlock sacrifice himself for Robbie Reyes but, but beyond that like it still leaves me like wanting more from Robbie during this whole series. I love what he's done with Robbie. The thing I, I guess is like that really impresses me is that he has made Robbie a character like Jane Foster, where now we're going to associate Robbie with this run. And he has really said like, kind of out of nowhere like hey this guy is really important and there is no reason to ever think a ghost rider is super important for like a multi-tier avenger story and it is a risk to be like get into this dude he did it and he crafted the story all the way through to pay that off so nobody could ever say well you know he just like uh said robbie was important and we had to believe him no he has taken us on the journey it is true it's just not something that you would normally 
normally think of Ghost Rider as like that being their role. So we get a character and a whole new world for Ghost Riders. I guess the only thing is like I would love to know a little bit more about like the demons at play here because we're seeing things like the Spirit of Variance and X Men. We're seeing mm-hmm. characters like Kushala. We're learning that it's a bigger cosmology around the Riders, and if he doesn't pay that off, it's almost better than like just doing a little bit but i would love to i'm now really interested in what can be made of the riders such that like it can maybe be a little bit more than like you just gotta be a badass with a bike and a need for vengeance Now, that brings us to the end of Avengers Forever before Avengers Assemble, which means we have to talk about the arc of Avengers that leads us into Avengers Assemble. And that's 57 to 62, sort of. (laughs) And I'm talking like this because it's, you know, Kevo, could you please zoom in on the issue uh, labeled 60 60 that has uh, Natasha? Yes, that one. Exactly. If you could zoom in on that. This issue, I can't even explain how much this is going to forever disrupt my under like i think there's a magic to numerology in comics every issue of avengers avengers forever the requisite tie-ins the stories that appeared in other series that are requisite reading for this were all written by jason aaron and then here's one issue of 120 written by mark russell in the middle Okay, so as a single issue, like it's actually a, a good issue. It's like, actually I, very good. Yeah, I, I love it. Like, and I I don't always love Greg Land, but he really restrained himself from Truly. pulling his worst qualities out and used his best qualities, and it was a really good issue. When you think of it, the fact that Axe was supposed to, like the A in Axe is Avengers, so it was supposed to be an Avengers tie-in book. Yep, this issue doesn't even fucking feature an Avenger. Like Hawkeye is a Thunderbolt, <laughs> like and he is in his Thunderbolts. Out outfit like i think it's so funny that we are talking about this now just kind of by coincidence because we spent so much time with axe avengers number one being like uh what like is this an avengers this is just tony stark and his daddy issues which great that we're like zooming all the way back to that with ant-man tony stark (laughs) but like you know like this is not avengers this is an avenger with a problem and here we are again in the avengers numbered book where you would think okay if they did that in avenger uh, axe avengers maybe in the avengers avengers book we will get a little bit more about what's going on with the actual avengers instead it is two people who are not really part of this roster and yes there is a degree to which it's like you when you're an avenger you're an avenger and like we associate these two names with avengers because of the movie and yes because the comics as well so like they're part of it it's really beautiful i love having them in the mix it is issue number six 60 it is the one axe issue for avengers it's it's kind of unfair is what it comes down to like for for these for jason aaron for these characters and for us as readers it's all just sort of wrong and i I get it like axe fell in the middle of a big epic arc where the avengers aren't on earth so like where does that fit into the chronography of avengers even like when when like are we before judgment day still in avengers are we after judgment day was like like and i was like ah 
it's because like you you can say like oh cool the like during the event you're like oh no it can't be after because avengers mountain is not there anymore this list you're still walking around but everything went back to normal right <laughs> so now so, i'm like wait where what that means we're talking about history's mightiest heroes avengers 57 through 62 plus 60 i don't know and <clears throat> this was all written by jason aaron except for 60 i don't know which was written by mark russell now art on 57 through 59 is javier garon with david curiel and Corey pettit on letters 61 and 62 are ivan fiorelli and david curiel alongside Corey pettit and then issue 60 is mark russell greg land jay liston dave curiel i don't know so i'm gonna stop harping on how disruptive like it actually read to me like this was written as judgment day hawkeye number one and they got a yeah. note that they were doing fewer one shots the book was done and it went to print issue uh, i have no defense for issue 60 it was it was an amazing issue self-contained by itself like yep absolutely no like i i it was it was really touching heart-wrenching i was like wow i wish this avengers run had this much feeling throughout all of it <laughs> all of it <laughs> throughout all of it but it doesn't and, and it and this was the issue that really made me question okay how is axe in avengers event because it was really just an eternals event that included the krakoa and the and cap <laughs> and cap for like a hot minute in, in iron man he was the reason the the progenitor went wrong but you know yeah cap but, was uh, the kinder surprise in <laughs> this uh he popped out of the egg he, came <laughs> he was a literal kinder surprise i love that um but uh, beyond issue 60 which absolutely disrupts <laughs> the whole arc I, I actually loved the arc because like literally it. like i'm saying like I, like i think like jason aaron's like what's a family that i could be like has some really deep ties and like some really cool areas of the marvel history oh the zardos family let's just let's make one of them the sorcerer supreme let's make one of them a phoenix host who went to go hunt witches on windigore like wondagore like what but throughout it all it was mainly a really beyond all that cool stuff and all of the other cool versions of these heroes we got to throughout ages i love seeing the different phoenix hosts i love seeing like the various incarnations of heroes that joined the team throughout the time and this this lineage of the earth protectors not even just the one million bc ones but other ones that kind of got added in like the moon knight characters and other generational heroes like that it was really cool to see and it was really fun and it really did have a good emotional arc with the star brand which has really been the main focus character of the avengers since she was introduced basically wolverine gets old man logan star lord gets old man's quill and uh star brand gets old hag brandy yeah i don't know it was all really cool this is another place where i'm like the you know that we're dealing with the alternate universes with these like specific versions of the characters all this cool stuff it just kind of feels like that is a kind of story that needs to be dealt with in the same vein as some of the stuff that's happening in avengers forever it just feels like there's common threads that would have been better put together in a book and then have some of the more like present stuff in avengers some of the more immediate stuff be something else i don't know again structure and organization i think really could have benefited because there's nothing in here that i'm like just get rid of it it's bad it's yeah. just all yeah. how it's parsed out i am eternally gay for secret invaders ghost riders blade and war thing uh, there is no bad version of man thing except doom cucked man thing is not delicious <laughs> but war thing is amazing i loved the edo period exploration and uh, i love namor 
Namor and Echo having a conversation and Namor being like, listen, if you go Dark Phoenix, I will do you a solid and I will kill you. And she's like, what? I didn't ask that. And she's like, why are you apologizing for trying to kill me by threatening to kill me? He's like, it's not a threat. I'm promising I offer to kill you. And she's like, okay, I'm not going to go dark because I'm not a crazy white man, but um, I promise I'll kill you too. And he's like, no, no, I'll kill you. I really appreciate that, like, he doesn't know what to do with her genuineness, right? Because there's a genuineness to Echo. And I think the genuineness is what made this arc really work because I am genuinely obsessed with Reno Phoenix and the star brand kid. Yeah. Okay. So I, as much as I love this arc, it, it raises questions, right? So, Oh, does it? <laughs> so like, okay, this is in recent recorded history. How would history not have recalled any of these fucking legends? Recent recorded history. I mean, like, I get, I get 1 million BC Avengers, nobody fucking remembering them. But in the like 1800s, there were novels. Like people would have wrote. There the was Raven Darkholm. Yeah, she would be like, whoa. She, like Irene would have been like, oh yeah, let's not even get involved with those Phoenix. <laughs> Apocalypse is just running around going, I remember this being much different. <laughs> One of the things that I've been, like, trying to figure out if maybe this is what they were going with is, like, the 615 universes besides ours. Avengers 1 million BC is the first branching point, and each time we are in one of these other universes, it's a different branching point where the 616 universe happened the way that we remember it, but the weird thing that happened is what the Avengers are seeing, and that is a separate universe. Even my explaining it is, like, a little weird, but I'm trying Yes, because they're saying they're going back in time, but too much stuff is happening that somebody would have some knowledge of. Like this isn't this wouldn't and even if they said, you know, I once heard about a fucking star brand kid or anything. The fact that nobody has any of this knowledge, it makes me long for an explanation like the one that I just gave off the top of my head <laughs> because it's like, OK, explain to me what the fuck all of this is like. This is your magnum opus Avenger story. Story. Tell me how we got here. I, that is one of the things that I feel is missing and is getting kind of bogged down by there being so much stuff mixed together in here. Give us some stories that are like log logistically, here's the plan. Here's why we're doing it. Here's why the universe is like this right now so that everybody can know why any of this matters. Because I do feel like it does. I just feel like we don't ever get the tools to understand it with the same sort of grasp that the creatives have because it's their story. And I think what's funny, and this because like this is always my 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 go-to. Are you telling me that no bad guy is trying to infiltrate these time periods and taking advantage of them? Like that's what kind of gets me. Doom isn't gonna take advantage of these weak periods. Although I just want to say one more time that that ghost rider is like I was never a ghost rider like hardcore fan before Robbie. And in the last couple of years, like I just think Marvel is putting out so many phenomenal ghost rider characters. And we literally just did a big special on Limbo on this show, <clears throat> talking yeah. about all of the amazing elements of Limbo. And now we have to do a part two because now we've talked about this and now there's so much more Zardos to, to <laughs> dial into to get this bigger picture. I am challenged by Starbrand being an old lady. It does feel like if Starbrand is a woman here, her mother's life was created and snuffed from a creative standpoint to make this young 
young woman whose entire adulthood was taken from her and oh wow wait if uh so if star panther was raised on chandelar that actually is an interesting tie back to star brand whose mother was in the hmm. shiar corn husking fields i don't remember it's space and... it like hunting smurf barriers or something i don't know <laughs> <laughs> these smurf bears don't taste like smurf bears. it was just it was like avatar they taste like human <laughs> trafficking <laughs> but don't forget that's a separate universe so, but there's a there's a parallel. You know? Yeah, uh, yeah. I, in in theory, there is. In practice, I do not think that that will come up. And but I think that that's a problem. Like there are these elements here that we are pointing them out, kind of just throwing things out to be like, does that make any sense? Yes, it actually does. But I don't feel like these are going to be the explanations that we get. I think we are really coming to like such an end point that like a lot of this stuff will not really be explained. And I do think it could could have used just like a a little bit more this is why this is why a soup more explanation i just am like where have all these phoenix hosts been in the white hot room when we see them and why is jean gray the most important yeah it it really does start to become like it can't really be that jean gray is the most important this must be the age of marvels and this must be that moment from which time ripples are happening and it's with that big smile that we look forward to avengers assemble where the avengers are finally going to take on the Masters of Evil featuring the Doom Above Dooms, Mephisto and his plan to reorder the Earths, sure. And beyond that, you know, Namor's finally a good guy, the Red Room was defeated, but the Squadron is still running around. And the last we saw them, the Squadron was working with the de-hulked, one-armed Red Widow, deprogramming Hyperion after killing Dr. Wow. Spectrum. So, I'm like, there were so many huge elements as we barrel toward Avengers Assemble Alpha, 63, Forever 12, 64, Forever 13, 65, Forever 14, 66, Forever 15, and Omega. And here's my main thing. We don't know the full creative teams, but what we do know is Aaron Cooter is working with legendary inker Mark Farmer for the first time on this run for this arc. That's a little unusual. Well, Javier Garon and Aaron Cooter are trading off issues back and forth for Avengers and Avengers Forever. Alpha was by Brian Hitch, and Omega is by Garon, Cooter, Tau, and Fiorelli, the four most recent major artists on the run. So I'm left sort of confused why Brian Hitch was brought in to pitch hit one issue right before the end. It's Mark Russell all over again, but this one's got Jason Aaron's name right on it. What are you guys looking forward to most about Avengers Assemble as it's literally fucking next? Who is the Avenger Prime? And, like, is it Loki? Like, there's, like, the God Quarry and stuff makes me think some of that. I don't know. But, like... You don't mind pulling stuff in out of nowhere at the end. I'm hoping it's gonna be worth this whole hundred and something issue arc that we've covered, but I'm not necessarily sure that it is. Yeah, and I don't know for me that I I will be so kind of done if Avengers Assemble isn't everything that I want it to be. We are moving into 
into this final phase of the project. We have Avengers Assemble Alpha, and then we go through, I think we get like, what, three more months of various releases, and then Omega. And then we are on to a brand new chapter for the Avengers, uh, like a really big shift. And I guess I'm just really hoping to see the final anchor points and seeds and all these different metaphors that mean that I really hope that however it goes within the story itself, that this work is allowed to continue. Like other creatives are allowed to pick up some of these things that were laid down and grow them. I will just be devastated if it's a while before we hear anything from Robbie Reyes. And there's a lot of other characters that I feel that way about. Like I just, I don't want to see what was done here be all for the purpose of itself. And so what I'm looking for in Avengers is like, can I see that this is a point that a Latino man could come and write Robbie? Like, will I see something there that I'm like, somebody can grab onto that? Or are we going to sew this up so tight that like, if it's a closed loop and it's just question mark who uses who from now on? Well, it looks like the guy who's going to be using the Avengers very well may be Jed McKay. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of rumors that it's also going to be Donnie Cates. So mm-hmm. it's possible that either Donnie Cates or Al Ewing, another person that it's been rumored to be, maybe the three of them are going to work together the way DC has had a lot of creators working on multiple titles together, the way Marvel has historically had like brain trusts. But guys, we did it. We just got through an unbelievable number of Avengers issues. You know, I'm just looking to see all of these teams come together. I'm so happy we did this. And now we just have assembled and then we get to start a whole new fresh page with Avengers in the new year. This is the final episode of Exodus for Podcast for 2022 and I couldn't be more excited. This is so well earned and I want to thank all of you out there for watching and quickly before we go away, I definitely want to get everybody's sign off somewhere they can find you one more time. So I'm Nico. You guys can find me on Twitter and Instagram at NicoAction. That's N-I-C-O-A-C-T-I-O-N and you can find the show at Exodus for Podcast on all your social as well as for as X's for podcast.com. It's Nathan. You can find me screaming on Twitter and other social medias about how cool that Jason Aaron discovered the Zardos is. Because, and then, and then, Mark Alley's back in Legion of X right now. Oh my God. Yeah, you can hear me screaming about all of that at Dazzler AOA. That's like Dazzler in the Age of Apocalypse. And I'm TK. You can find me all over the socials at xnatexgrayx, and I think I will still be screaming about Bird Phoenix. She's just a fucking bird, man. It's just a bird. Finally, after all this time, it's just a bird. Yeah. Well, I can't wait to see you all in 2023. The whole team from everybody, everybody here at the X-Pack, our amazing producer, Kevo, who does an unbelievable amount for a guy who doesn't regularly read comics and uh, is just an amazing producer to everybody from the X-Pack who has given so much of their time this year. And that's, you know, everybody. Uh, The list is so long. I can't even. Steve, Jake, Jonah, Kyle. Everybody, I am leaving out. I'm not leaving you. Thank you for the confetti. I would just literally be here 10 minutes. Um, I could never do this amazing thing without these two guys. And uh, we're just all so grateful for all of your fandom and uh, to all of the other podcasts out there and shows that, you know, we talk with all the time. And uh, the specific, a lot of the Twitter fan accounts like Daily Ileana and a lot of the, you know, groups that are like all about specific characters and retweet us and, you know, thank you so much uh we can't wait to do more with you guys in 2023 and uh okay that's it now i'm done kevo turn me off